It's Christmas Eve. Don't you just love it? I do. <laughs> yeah, you probably figured it's the same old, same old, but this one's got a nutty little twist. Welcome to the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. This is the podcast that seeks to catalog all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses to be. I am Christy and I am here with my friend and co-host Bree. Hello. And we are here today continuing our Nutcracker November with the nuttiest Nutcracker. Uh. <laughs> Christy? Yes? Christy, I'm going to tell you right now. Tell this me. is actually, I think, the closest I've come to shutting the movie off <laughs> and telling you I'm not recording this episode. Yay! <laughs> oh, so I was a hair's breadth, a bee's dick away from, <laughs> from not continuing. <laughs> oh my god! This fucking movie. That's amazing! Oh boy. I it sucked. <laughs> That's amazing. This one, <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed it for this one because while it is, and we will get into this in a discussion, all the reasons why this one is a bad movie, I, I did not think this one would would tweak that part of your brain so that it was that terrible that you had you you had to fight that instinct to just shut it off and run away. I would rather watch any other movie we have watched so far again than ever wow. see this piece of shit again. That's I'm, amazing. I can't. I cannot. Oh, no. I... Was... And, like, apologies to anyone because this is a... This, this movie's 22 years old. There's probably some people out there who have beloved childhood memories of the nuttiest nutcracker and hold it in high regard. Well, let me tell you, it didn't age well. And if it's yeah. your first time seeing it in this the year 2021, don't. <laughs> don't. Just tough. don't watch it. <laughs> God, that's funny. I it's it's I on that note, I will say I I do actually remember catching this one on TV back in the day. Um <sighs> On, on Teletoon specifically, which is just a, a Canadian TV channel up in here. Up in here? Up, up in, in here. here. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I, I guess, to go into a bit of background for this one. Uh, nuttiest Nutcrackers of this one, as Bree said, this is from 1999. And this was a direct-to-video film based on, of course, E.T.A. Hoffman's story, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King. And this I guess. one is, I guess, I guess, asterisk, asterisk. Um, and this is brought to us by our good friends at Golden Films. Oh, Golden Films, come on. To, to date, it is their first and only 3D animated feature. And it kind of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, The Nuttiest Nutcracker was apparently aired on CBS in December of 1999. I, I couldn't find out any other information besides that. So I'm not sure if this was a primetime special or what, but it is, as you said, it is very possible that people saw this in their childhood and they might have a lot of nostalgia 
for the nuttiest nutcracker. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, like, to get ahead of it, if this is your, like, beloved childhood version of the nutcracker somehow, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will not be being close to it. Uh, this, this podcast episode. I, it's it's funny. I actually I do not remember much of my initial viewing experience for this film. Um, I watched it, and I remember that I watched it, but it made no real impression on me. So I wonder if that is par for the course for any of the other viewers that might have caught it on CBS back in the day. Yeah, that's. I mean, if 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 anyone out there is listening and and holds this movie belovedly to their heart, please let me know. Yeah, I feel free to write us in at badprincessmovies@gmail.com. <laughs> Get that out early this episode. Yeah, but honestly, I would love to hear about you know what I I guess just in general. As we're going through these Nutcracker movies, please feel free to email us and let us know which is your. I, you know, your ideal yeah. version of the Nutcracker. Which one do you hold in your heart of hearts? Which which is the one that you hold dear from your childhood? Or from mm. your adulthood? Yeah. Or whatever. What's what's your favorite Nutcracker? I'm gonna guess most people's isn't the nuttiest Nutcracker. No. God, no. You, you oh. know what? I'm very curious now because... I I have been saving. I've been looking forward to what the the Nutcracker adaptation we're going to be looking at next because I feel oh. like that one is that one is the most baffling to me out of all of the ones that I own. So in our analogy that we came up with last episode where we're going down the 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 toboggan hill on the crazy carpet. <laughs> uh-huh. The 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 next episode. That's the one that I thought of as that's as that's the crash landing where oh, when you're just skidding boy. across the icy snow at the bottom of the hill. So oh. it's. I'm very curious now whether or not that one will manage to topple the nuttiest nutcracker for you as the its current position as the worst f- film that I've made you watch. Uh, it would have to be bad, real bad, for to 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 knock this one off its uh off its throne. We Ugh. we will see. We will see how that God. goes. Very exciting. I have like a page. Let let we'll call it two pages of notes. One mm-hmm. one page back and front. Um, and very little of these notes actually have anything to do with the film. And more, most of it is this fucking sucks. I'm suffering. (laughs) I'm in hell. Uh, this is the worst movie I've watched for the podcast. This is so bad. Let it end. Amazing. Um, Your apocalyptic log. (laughs) (laughs) I just, oh. The itchy tasty of our day. (laughs) God. Shout out to the Resident Evil fans with that one. Thanks. Wow. (laughs) I didn't see 
that that reference coming. <laughs> Whew. Whew. Oh God. Should, okay. should we get into the summary here so that we I could s- move on? Yeah. <laughs> Take yeah. us away, Christy. All right. Yeah, let's let's get into this the summary here because I think we really we gotta get into the the discussion for this one. So here Ugh. we go for Golden Films's The Nuttiest Nutcracker. Our film opens on a cold and snowy Christmas Eve. Marie is filled with worry as her parents have yet to arrive at their Christmas celebration due to a storm. She whines to her uncle Drosselmeyer and little brother Fritz how she'll be spending Christmas Eve all alone. What's the big deal about Christmas anyway? I just wish it would go away forever! As long as the star is there to shine its light, Christmas will always be. In an attempt to cheer Marie up, Uncle Drosselmeyer gives Marie one of her gifts early, a small wooden nutcracker. This is all witnessed by a bowl of talking nuts, who are ecstatic to see the nutcracker. They explain that the nutcracker was once a prince who was in love with one Princess Pearlypat. The Mouse Queen was jealous of the princess, and so she turned the beautiful Pearlypat ugly. The prince was able to break the curse on Pearlypat, but in response, the Mouse Queen turned the prince into a wooden nutcracker. Yes, sir, there's only one force powerful enough to lift the curse on him. What is? What powerful enough? Love. Later that evening, Marie kisses the Nutcracker goodnight, telling him that, of all the gifts I've received, I love you the most. She then falls asleep on a nearby couch. Unfortunately, her sleep will not be a peaceful one, as who should enter but none other than Reginald the Mouse King, son of the Mouse Queen, who desires to be the supreme ruler of the Christmas Kingdom, which he plans to do by stealing Christmas. He wages war on the nuts, and a food fight ensues. All the commotion wakes Marie up, just in time for her to see that the spell on the Nutcracker is broken, and the now doll-sized prince leaps into action to face off against Reginald. Marie tries to intervene, and immediately Reginald takes a shine to her. You're mad! Mad with passion! Go away! Creeped out by his advances, Marie tries to get away from him by climbing the ladder leaning against the family Christmas tree. When that fails to dissuade Reginald, Marie grabs the Christmas star off the tree with the plan to throw it at him. Surprisingly, Reginald begs her to give it to him, saying that it is the final piece to ruling the Christmas kingdom. Marie ends up just kicking Reginald away, forcing him and his men to retreat. Just then, the clock strikes ten, and Uncle Drosselmeyer appears. He declares that it's time for a little Christmas spirit, and Marie then suddenly shrinks down to doll size. The prince and the nuts thank Marie for helping them, but their celebration is cut short by the revelation that the Christmas star is now missing from the top of the tree. Marie reveals that the Christmas star has shrunk down with her. This is bad news because if the star isn't on the tree by midnight, Christmas will be gone forever. The group decides that they have to return the star to the tree by going to the Christmas Kingdom and enlisting the help of the Sugar Plum Fairy, who will know how to return the star to the tree. 
Through a suddenly appearing magic portal and a joyous gospel song, the gang enters the Christmas Kingdom. Meanwhile, in his castle in the Cheese Kingdom, Reginald decides he wants to marry Marie, both for her beauty and because he wants to claim the Christmas star, which Marie now wears as a necklace. Reginald sends his men out to capture Marie and bring her back to his castle. His army drives off on flying cheese motorcycles, and they easily overwhelm the prince and his group of nuts. Marie is taken back to Reginald's castle, and Reginald takes ownership of the Christmas star. Marie tries to reason with Reginald about the joys of Christmas, and how it will be lost forever if Reginald doesn't return the Christmas star. Don't you care about anyone but yourself? Why should I? I mean, no one ever cared about me. No one ever gives me anything. Back with the prince, he and the nuts sneak into Reginald's castle. Taking Reginald by surprise, the nuts and mouse army scuffle, and in all the commotion, Marie manages to steal back the Christmas star. She and the prince try to flee on a stolen cheese motorcycle, but Reginald follows them. While they are in the air, Reginald's cheese motorcycle runs out of gas. Reginald falls into the cheese moat, where he begins drowning. Marie and the Nutcracker go to help him, but instead of taking Marie's outstretched hand, Reginald snatches the Christmas star back from her. And he immediately drops it into the cheese moat, where it is lost. For a second time, Marie offers her hand, and this time Reginald takes it, just barely escaping the collapse of Reginald's cheese castle. That's the first nice thing anyone's ever done for me. Why did you help me? Because giving to others is what Christmas is all about. As the group begins to mourn the loss of the Christmas star, Reginald reveals that, despite us seeing the star sink into the moat, he somehow still has it. Reginald decides to put aside his differences with the Christmas Kingdom and give the star back to Marie. The group plus Reginald make their way to the Sugar Plum Fairy's castle, where they only have 15 minutes to replace the star on top of the Christmas tree. Surprisingly, the Sugar Plum Fairy says that Marie is the one who could put the Christmas star in its proper place. The prince admits to Marie that he wishes that she would stay with him in his kingdom, but Marie chooses to go home to her family, with the hope that the magic of the Christmas star will bring her parents home. The Sugar Plum Fairy tells Marie to visualize the star at the top of the tree and toss it into the air. Marie does so, and she then suddenly wakes up back at home to the return of her mother and off-screen father. Uncle Drosselmeyer appears and comments on Marie's newfound Christmas spirit. Oh, so you found some Christmas spirit after all, didn't you? Oh, but I've nearly forgotten. There's someone I want you to meet. I said I'd always be with you. The film ends with the nuts hanging mistletoe above Marie and the Prince, and the two share a kiss. Open up your heart and say you The only good thing about this movie is that it's only 45 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, another short one for you. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, this is another 45-minute special from our friends at Golden Films. So the pace is pretty fast. Ah, not fast enough. <laughs> Could have been faster, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. This, I... Is there one single <laughs> thing that really, like, made this 
a terrible experience for you? Or was it just the overall package? Just the whole thing. I think... Uh, I mean, the entire movie is just a vehicle for awful food puns, for one. And, yes. like, I like a pun. I will pun. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy when 90% of your script is just bad puns also bold of them to decide i know we've got a whole orchestra cat like an entire ballet's worth of music for mm-hmm. for the nutcracker but you know what we're gonna do instead we're gonna make our <laughs> own music oh the music mm, it's yeah so bad. this is it is a very bold choice because we have a, a selection of mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, where to begin with those? We have, <laughs> first off, Reginald has his villain song. Oh my god. Uh, he just kind of moseys on in and just starts singing about how he's the big cheese. I live my life with a big flair. I wear gold-plated underwear. Very good. Wow, it's very funny. <laughs> I'm so, oh, I'm sorry. I literally, I stopped watching this. Fi- I finished this film like yeah. 10, 15 minutes before we started recording. So it's all just fresh in my mind. Yeah, the wound is still fresh. The the, <laughs> the energy has not had time to sort of percolate and, and, and really like calm yeah. It's more just, I got, I finally finished this, and I was like, oh, now I gotta talk about this. You feel personally attacked by this movie, almost? Almost. Almost. <laughs> I just... Anyway, sorry, continuing with the songs, there's the there's the terrible cheese song by Reginald. Mm-hmm. And, the, yeah. and there's the inexplicable gospel song. Yeah, it's so when Marie and the gang are deciding that they need to make their way to the Sugar Plum Fairy's castle, they, of course, have to travel to the Candy Kingdom. And Marie has this thing where I guess it's supposed to be like a character quirk where she just she's mopey and she's talking about how it's impossible and that. Uh, you know, they're they're never going to be able to save the day or, or even get to the Candy Kingdom. And uh, the other, in response, the other, the prince and the nuts and the other vegetables and stuff, they tell her that she needs to just have some faith. And then that leads into this gospel song where, yeah, it's just all about you have to keep the faith and good things will come your way kind of thing. But it's, it's a very... Um, It's a strange song. Yeah, it's weird. It's bizarre. I could almost give it a pass at first because, and I guess to explain, it's it's strange because the gospel music does not seem very fitting because this is not, well, at first you think, we'll get into that, at first you think (laughs) this is not a religious movie. Yeah, like, like the Nutcracker is sort of, like it's, it's takes place at Christmas, which mm-hmm. has, you know, it's a Christmas movie. 
But yeah. it, they're usually, from what I've seen, they don't delve into the whole, like, God and Christianity thing. It's just like, no, this is, you know, this is a, a Christian holiday. It's Christmas, but it's not, yeah. you know, there's no attention drawn to it. It it does, they usually lean to the Santa side of Christmas. Yeah. The, the sort of so, magical princess fairy tale sugar plum blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah, more more about the aesthetic of Christmas than mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. So that song comes on, and it's kind of odd because it feels, you know, especially them talking about keeping the faith, like that has very religious connotations in a movie where we see food making fart jokes and uh... a mouse, a mouse with a big belly, sings about how he's the big cheese. It just doesn't really fit. So. At first, I could almost, I could kind of give that song a pass, stretching it very thin, but I can maybe give it a pass, because if anything, if Hercules, if Disney's Hercules taught us anything, you can do gospel music without it being tied directly to Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's always, that's the um, example I think of, It's just Disney's Hercules, where it's still weird, but it's like, okay, I see, I see the thread you've you've gone here i i mm-hmm. see where you're pulling from yeah yeah so you could kind of see okay it's while f- having faith is a very christian thing it you know maybe they were just you know they're just playing off of that like you like yeah. you said with hercules they're just pulling that thread where it's like you know it's just a god you're just supposed to be the gospel music you're not supposed to think of it in terms of this religious a perspective that is until <laughs> until you hit the next song <laughs> yes until um you get the next song which this one happens immediately following marie's capture by reginald and she's brought to his castle and she has this very odd dream sequence slash song moment where she imagines herself dancing with the prince um and this scene in particular is very very heavily drenched in christian imagery like at this point you cannot deny that there was yeah. a christian angle here um the as marie and the prince begin to dance the dungeon transforms into a church with these big giant stained glass windows and while at first it seems like the song is talking about marie and the prince being in love the song at one point specifically starts referring to God's love. Just reach out your hand. I will hold it and help you stand. Feel the love that's all around. God's love showering down. And once it names drops God, it's really hard to see yeah. the following lines as anything other than love in a religious sense. Yeah. Um, so there's says stuff like, I'm always here by your side. Just believe, just believe that you are loved more than you know. Um, you know, like, again, like that could have been the prince telling Marie this, but based on that name dropping of God, this line, this feels like this is meant to be a religious song, a yeah. religious experience for Marie. It's, and I think it just, it caught me off guard because this was not, 
I can't remember if Golden Films, ones that we've looked at previously, have been explicitly religious films. Like, there's some companies they you see, or like, directors, producers, whatever, that you see them coming and you're like, okay, I know there's going to be like a religion angle to this, to this film probably at some point. Um, mm -hmm. But this just kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Usually these are more... I don't know, advertised. <laughs> well, and that's that's another weird aspect to it is that I like I guess on your point earlier, I I have never I can't remember another Golden Films movie that has this very Well, actually, okay, I guess that said, I think they might do a few Bible stories. Okay. I have to I'll have to double check that, make sure that I'm not mixing them up mm. with uav entertainment but they might have at least a few they might have covered at least a few bible stories but generally their other films are pretty secular um but yeah like as you said it's weird that if they were to have this religious content that it wouldn't become a selling point of some sort yeah like it's just it feels like usually there's like a a sort of like this is the religious version of this story i um, maybe we yeah. should have just taken the cue that it was like veggie tales wait was veggie tales out at this point they must have been it yeah it, it must have been was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and well i have a note about that oh, so no. we'll, we'll get into that in a moment but i just to like finish up the song sequence because it's not just that they're in a church and it's not just the lyrics um at the very end of the song yeah kneels before a stained glass image of a dove carrying an olive branch and yeah. she, she she clasps her hands seemingly in prayer and she's bathed in this holy light that is erupting forth from the dove window yeah yeah it's 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 very explicit it's like yep this yeah. is this is what we are invoking in this shot like well, yeah oh, like our, okay, okay didn't what okay what it's yeah it's and and for those of you who uh did not go through 12 years of catholic school um <laughs> this dove with the olive branch this is like a significant christian imagery um like both in terms of like the like the dove that brought the olive branch to noah on the ark but just in general this dove ten tends to symbolize god and the holy spirit so this is like oh I did this not know that. Like, yeah, a big, <laughs> like, you know, like, there is, you cannot, you could kind of maybe see that earlier gospel song again. Maybe they were doing a Hercules thing where you're not, yeah. it's not supposed to be religious. This one, you no. cannot yeah. <laughs> deny. It is, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, and it just, and again, it's just, it's so weird because this scene especially is so incredibly melodramatic yeah. and it is right in the middle of a of of a movie where there's just a bunch of uh you know wise cracking fruits and vegetables and and fart jokes and a moat of cheese yeah it's just it does not it's completely out totally, of place yeah just tonally it does not make any sense no and I, I do want to say, I know I'm, I'm, I'm already 
like half an hour of on record of being like i hate this movie it's not because of like (laughs) it being religious uh that just no that just caught me off guard it's everything this whole movie sucks but like that that part it being a like having religious tones is not the thing that threw me off i just want to clarify that that's the thing is that it is not woven into the structure of the film it just comes out of nowhere and it's just so confusing from a narrative perspective like why like i i i don't know i just like what purpose does this song serve i don't know what purpose does any of the things that happen in this movie serve yeah but at least like the other scenes they're like goofy scenes that they're silly and dumb and they contribute to this overall silly and dumb film and it's like okay those work what kid watching this yeah <laughs> is going to like enjoy this scene i don't know I don't know. <laughs> like, this is the scene where if you're watching as a little kid, you're gonna f- go and go to the bathroom. Yeah, it's time to because... go get a, so another pack of fruit gushers. At, yeah. At, at, in the pantry at the back. And then come back when this song's over. Yeah, and you don't you don't have to rush or anything. Because based on the earlier songs, you know that it's gonna be a while. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's it just just bizarre. It is just so weird. Mm-hmm. I, I, and but this also comes like in the the last sort of third of the movie, and my brain had already checked out. Um, almost at that mm-hmm. point, I think my note is, <laughs> "Oh, I guess it's really religious now too." In here, I don't know. Except it's not because after the scene ends, it's gone. Yeah, it's, it's just, not. It's yeah. not touched on again. It's almost like somebody like got mixed up the pages of the script with another <laughs> adaptation. <Yeah. laughs> like it just it doesn't feel I don't know, it just it feels very weird to me. It's um, so weird. But getting but... into the Veggie Tales connection. Oh my god. Uh-huh. Now, okay, so I should say this is something that I want to get your opinion on oh, because no. I'm not sure about this. Uh-huh. Um, but one thing I wonder about this film, because as we know from other Golden Films uh, movies, they are primarily known for their mockbusters for cribbing off of the larger studio releases. Uh-huh. And this film was released in 1999. Um which Veggie Tales, which I get for those who might not know what Veggie Tales are, it's was just a series, um, a series of CGI talking vegetables, mm-hmm. and they would present biblical lef- life lessons for kids. So this was a series that started in 1993, and it ran. Uh, it, it's Haiti, I think, was the duration of the 90s, and then it kind of yeah. came back and and forth a few times with a few new series. But notably, I'm... most recently, Veggie Tales in the House, aka one of the the uh, the first show that I worked on as an animator. I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna I was wondering if you were gonna want to volunteer that information. Oh yeah, I was uh, when I was first my, for my first animation job. I worked uh, on Veggie Tales in the House. <laughs> yeah, 
it's I think it's probably it's probably still up on Netflix. I think. Oh yeah, if people want to check sure. out some of Bree's animation yeah, you work. Can, you can look for my name in the credits. Yay! You just yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm very I'm not sure if knowing Golden Films' history of cribbing off of other studios and trying to do their own mockbusters is this movie potentially at least in part an attempt to crib off the popularity of veggie tales i honestly wouldn't doubt it because it if you do like i don't i guess veggie tales hasn't done a nutcracker adaptation which is unsurprising no. but if you do search from veggie tales nutcracker it does bring up the naughtiest nutcracker yeah. So maybe that's like they were that's the angle they were going for for some reason. It's I was going to say it's weird to me to think that they didn't do a nutcracker movie, but I guess that would be a very weird How do you how do you have talking vegetables talking about a story in which the main character is explicitly a tool designed to crack nuts. Well, that's one of the first things I thought of when I was watching this <laughs> this monstrosity of a film was all of the nuts in the nut bowl are like, oh, yay, the nutcracker is back. Our prince. I'm like, isn't his job just to murder you? Isn't his whole perp? Is this like a Lion King thing where you s support the the circle of life, but it's explicitly a man created with the sole purpose of destroying you? I guess it. I I have to think that maybe like he wasn't originally a Nutcracker, so maybe this was like some weird like I don't know extra like prank that the mouse queen played on him it's just oh you're you're the prince and you rule over all of these nuts well i'm gonna make you into a nutcracker now you're the thing that destroys nuts haha -ha. i mean i think that's giving this movie too much credit yeah possibly um also but also okay yeah there's the whole part in the nutcracker where the nutcracker the prince the kid the person the guy has to like yeah. break apart the hardest nut on earth <laughs> and then the adaptations we've seen before he takes it in his mouth and he cracks the fucking thing open yeah and this one you just see a shot of the prince and he's just got this boulder over his head and he just tosses it on the ground and explodes yeah. it's like, like wait it's what the fuck it's like the, a nut the size of a bowling ball, and he just, like, hulks out and just rips it apart. And also, because these nuts are sentient, does that mean that he, as a, oh, as a person, no. just committed murder? Oh, my God. There's a lot of questions yeah. in this adaptation. Yeah, um, it just... Oh. Well, uh, yeah. Um... I guess, I, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, the, uh, and again, that kind of, like, contributes to my feeling of, is, are these nut characters just here because of a, they wanted to do a VeggieTales ripoff? Because, again, they're not, they're not really seamlessly integrated into this world. God, no. Um, not they even are, close. No, and, and it's, they exist in this weird state where they are sentient nuts that live in Clara's universe, 
but I guess are also somehow connected to the Nutcrackers universe. I don't. There is not a, a. There was not a thread of logic here. Like there, no. they they did not. There's no explanation. That's not. That's not why they're here. It no. doesn't matter. So it it feels like it must be like a ripoff. It's just. I don't know. It's weird to me because, I, again, VeggieTales came out in 1993. Um, I'm not sure when, like, their precise heyday was, but it does feel weird to think that, you know, because no- normally Golden Films, they if they were ripping something off, they would try and get that film out ASAP to, like, yeah. capitalize on the hype. Yeah. So it it feels weird that so much time would pass... Well, between... maybe, maybe they tried, but they had no budget, and also just were just there's wasn't that many places doing CG yeah. stuff at the time, so maybe that... they it took them a while. That and and that might be it. That yeah, that's trying to find a source or a studio that could help them do the CGI aspect of it. Yeah, because it was definitely, like, this is the era of very, very, like, I think Reboot was the only, Reboot, like, Mainframe was the one place that I can think of was making CGI shows at the time. There wasn't a lot going on in terms of movies or anything. This is the early days Toy Story was 1995, and I think that was, like, the yeah. big, like, game changer regarding yeah. CGI an- animation, at least theatrically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I I don't know. I don't, I don't, they were striking while the iron was lukewarm. Yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> it just, it, and it's, you know what, there's, there's one guy in particular, the asparagus dude. Oh yeah, that's a VeggieTales character. Yeah, he just he looks so much like the VeggieTales character. Yeah, that it just it it's like it feels very intentional, and I don't know if it's just like if you put big googly eyes on an asparagus, then they guess, all look alike. Yeah, I guess there's not a lot of ways to to make a cartoon character out of an asparagus that's not gonna look like a VeggieTales character, but but still. also. Why Why would you pick it? Like, is asparagus a big Christmas Eve dinner? I don't know. I mean, I like asparagus, but I guess I've never had it for Christmas dinner. But who knows? There, all around the world, there are different traditions. Maybe some places have asparagus. Uh, yeah, maybe. It just, it seems so specific that it does. Him in particular, he is like my biggest, like, <laughs> my question mark. Is this... Potentially a VeggieTales ripoff because that <laughs> would this explain. This a VeggieTales, yeah, because that would kind of explain the random tastes of Christianity. It's true, yeah. That that is another connective sort of thread tissue between the two of them. It's like Christian produce. Uh, yeah, maybe. And and that might explain why it kind of comes and goes in this film because yeah. they. You know, uh, Veggie Tales. Obviously, they have this earnest desire to present these biblical lessons to kids. Whereas yeah. Golden Films, I don't quite get that same feeling that this no. was like a the sincerity is kind of lacking. I think. Uh, yeah. 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 Un- un- 
kind of a side note. I'm not sure if we'll ever take a look at a VeggieTales uh, <laughs> VeggieTales movie on this show, but there is one that I'm kind of considering uh-huh. because they did they did a, an adaptation of Beauty and the Beast. What? Yeah, it's and it's called <laughs> Beauty and the Beauty and the Beat. Oh, because he's a God, beat, of course. And he and the beat is voiced by Rob Paulson, who is just voice acting royalty and a very very nice man who I, I got to meet uh, at a convention a few years ago. Lovely, such a nice man. And I actually, I I'll admit, I have a f- fair amount of fondness for that Beauty and the Beast adaptation. I don't know what it is. It just. <laughs> I mean, it's... maybe someday. But yeah, maybe someday. The the thing is, is that it's set in modern times, so it's not. Oh. It's one of those. It's one of those not technically a princess movies. Um, okay. Okay. The the beast has a. Uh, um... Oh God, what's it called when it's like a mountain like cabin, but you rent it to people? A a villa. A villa no. or like a a ski lodge. Yeah, like a, a ski lodge or like a, a vacation a cha- home. I keep wanting to say chapel, but it's not. Oh, a chalet. 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 Thank you, thank you. Chalet. <laughs> yes, the beat. The beat is this cranky old beat that runs a, a chalet in in the woods, and and beauty is I forget what vegetable she is, but they. They get stranded, and they have to teach him about love. And it's, I don't know, it's just kind of cute. I kind of like it. I'm sorry. That's, I don't apologize. I haven't seen it. I can't pass judgment. Maybe someday I will, I too will see Beauty and the Beat. Yeah. But back to... If we must, yes, back to... (laughs) You don't like it. I find this so fascinating that this is the one. I feel that it's just, there's something in the writing. Yeah. I don't know. Because, like, listen, this movie doesn't look good. It doesn't look, and, like, it's early CGI. Granted, there were other movies and shows coming out that looked halfway decent at the time. But it was still, you know what? It's still early CGI. People are learning what they're doing. Blah, blah, blah. I don't blame mm-hmm. the people who made it. Also, no. apparently the budget was like $84,000, which almost oh. certainly, that's what IMDb told me anyway, which almost certainly went to their cast of voice actors because they have mm-hmm. some good voice actors in here. Anyway. Yeah. So this movie looks, it looks bad. Um Yeah. That I can forgive, but like, mm-hmm. just on the merit of the writing, the jokes, everything is just awful. <laughs> yeah. It's just so it's... bad. It's just, it's 90% just shit, shitty food jokes mm-hmm. and Marie... nonsense. Yeah. And Marie think... moping. <laughs> Yeah, Marie's stank attitude. It's um, just the, there's no the there's it. <laughs> it's okay. It's gonna be okay, Bruce. All right. Oh, thank you. I I want to talk about Marie's stank attitude a little bit. Yeah, because for a 
like probably maybe the first third of the movie i i hate her so much well yeah she's like so she's sad that her parents aren't making it home for christmas because there's a giant snowstorm yeah Mm -hmm. all right that's a fair feeling to have completely understandable her little brother and her uncle drosselmeyer are in fact there but she's like i'm gonna spend christmas alone like, yeah that's there's literally two family members are in the room with you this is so insulting yeah. she says that to their faces <laughs> to their faces she's like i can't believe i'm spending christmas alone yeah like literally and, right there <laughs> and she and she goes on further by saying that she wishes that christmas just didn't exist so <sighs> because her parents are going to be late for for the christmas eve she just decides Christmas sucks. It should not exist. You know, screw everybody who, you know, is is likes Christmas. Like, like, what about her little brother? Do you think your little brother, like, is, you know, would like to celebrate Christmas even if the parents can't be there? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, she sucks. She's also of indeterminate age. Um, she mm-hmm. looks like a, like a teenager. Yeah. She acts like a like a like a young child. Yeah, and that's and that's maybe part of why her attitude comes off really poorly because if she was a child doing this, then you know, like if this was Fritz saying this stuff, yeah. like if he was he's just a little boy, if he was the one that was extremely upset that mom and dad weren't going to be there for Christmas Eve, that'd be understandable, but she as she appears to be, which is like a, you know, a fairly, like you said, a teenager, older teen, she should have a bit more maturity to yeah. her to know that, you know, it, it's like, again, it is, it sucks, but just how far she takes it, I think it just, it yeah. makes her a very unpleasant character. Yeah. Like right off the bat, you're just like, oh, great. Yeah. Cool. I- I think it's it's obvious what they were going for is that they wanted this to be a story about how Marie needs to regain her Christmas spirit and, and find the true meaning of Christmas. But I think probably due to the fast pace of the film, the plot moves along so fast that there isn't really time to slowly develop Marie's feelings and how she is progressing in, in her journey of moping no. about Christmas. No, no, no. See, we need that time for for fart jokes and yeah. stupid food puns. Yeah. Can't have character development here. That would no. be that would be ridiculous. I I kind of mentioned I mentioned how the songs go on for quite a long time yeah. in this one. And it's like take that time and energy and put it into scenes where you're developing Marie. No, we need the songs. That we gotta have these weird out of place songs. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. It's it's funny because you think they probably could have saved quite a bit of time, money, and energy by just using the Tchaikovsky music. It's right there. That's it's, what everybody it, else does. It, pre, it comes pre-done to your Nutcracker adaptation. It's already there. Why are you I making guess- new music? <laughs> Why, why are you fair, doing this? To be fair, they do have a moment where they do use it because for yeah. some reason we need to show Reginald dancing 
the ballet <sighs> as, I guess, I don't know, he's trying to cheer Marie up or something? I don't know. I it's- don't know. Him and one of his other mouse guards just do a, a bad little dance mm-hmm. to Waltz of the Sugar Plum Fairy. Or And it... And that's it. Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy? I don't... I, I think... Yeah. It's, it's a Sugar Plum Fairy song. <laughs> it's it's from the Nutcracker. You know, that song from the Nutcracker that everyone knows. We are, we, we are very cultured because oh, yeah. we can go... Oh, that's a Nutcracker song. Couldn't tell you where in the Nutcracker it shows up. No. I've never actually that- seen the Nutcracker. Are you, are you joking? What? <laughs> No. You, would, you would think with how many different versions I've seen, including I have seen the actual ballet performed a few times, you'd think I'd remember. You'd think I so. don't. No, I don't. It's, it's fine. Maybe that's why they really wanted some memorable music in there. Had to make their I, own shit. I guess. <sighs> on, a, on the subject of some of the, uh, the animation for this one. Uh-huh. There are... I, I, there's just certain things in this film that I don't know. It's kind of fascinating for me to see, actually, mm-hmm. and because I think it's sort of, I, I guess to explain, there are some obvious animation flubs, um, here and there, and, here and, and there, everywhere, yes. <laughs> but it almost, I don't know, for me at least, it's kind of interesting to peek behind the curtain because I feel like with these flubs. We're in a very polished animated film. You don't really get to see those rough edges. They oh, are usually yeah. Yeah, yeah. hidden. Yeah. So it is kind of interesting to see them and to really be able to feel the hand of the creator in this one. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah. Not saying that it's a good thing because you have stuff like how when Reginald is wearing the Christmas star necklace it clips into his stomach and disappears. Oh, yeah. Into, into oh, his yeah. gut for a good few seconds. That, um, that asset is clipping whoever's wearing it. Because when Marie yeah. wears it, if you see her lift her head at all, then it clips into the ribbon in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's, with Reginald, it's fascinating because it is so <laughs> obvious. And it, like, it fully, it is in there. Oh, We're not yeah. talking about a little tiny bit. We are talking the entire Christmas star literally disappears into his chest for a good, a full second and then pops back out again. Oh, yeah. And... And this is this is what I mean by seeing like the hand of the creator in this because that happens and then immediately after that that shot the following shot they have updated the model of the necklace around his neck so that it is now much much shorter so now uh-huh. it is now the necklace is so short that it doesn't clip through his stomach. It just hovers above his chest. Yep. And it is just... Gotta get creative. I just, I just love that, though, because it is literally... It's the next shot. It's as though they were reviewing the footage. They rendered oh. that scene, and they were reviewing it, and they went, Oh, shit. His <sighs> necklace yep. clipped into his stomach. Yeah. Okay, well... We need to fix that for the subsequent scene, but we're all we're not going to go back and reanimate and re-render the earlier shots. Oh God, no! It could have been th- that they made a new asset 
that is supposed to be like so this was made i all of my animation experience is in the last decade this was mm-hmm. made 21 years ago 22 years ago or longer depending on how long they took to make this and it was made yeah. in a program i don't know it was made in soft image i i don't i don't know how those things work so i could be talking out my ass but it it, sometimes it does definitely feel like they animated things and they're like oh fuck we forgot to attach the necklace so they would just go into the scene put the necklace on the character and not account for any of the motion that's going on yeah (laughs) maybe the the asset wasn't able to be deformed that way maybe it just wouldn't like they couldn't attach it the way that it would move naturally <laughs> who knows like and there's there's obvious limitations too in that like there's there's so they were probably a lot of times when you have characters with frills or stuff like that or extra parts you animate them with that so the visibility on them turned off because they take okay. up more computer power to, to, like, your scene goes slower, the work goes slower, the more shit you have on the characters. So you turn things off. Like, you you might turn off the clothes and you just have, like, the, the barren model of the character doing stuff. There's a scene where, it's the scene where uh, Marie is praying and she she brings her arms forward to pray. And her shoulders just clip right through her sleeves. Like, there's the sleeve is in her shoulder because they probably yeah. didn't have the, it showing when they did the animation. And then they turned it back on and they're like, well, <laughs> no time. Well, like, we gotta live with it. And that, so she, like, so Marie's dress, yeah, it has that trim around the shoulders. Yeah. And from certain angles, you could you could see they were trying to work around it mm-hmm. because from certain angles, you can tell that that trim doesn't actually rest on her shoulders and torso. It hovers slightly above it. Yes. And so sometimes you could just see straight through that armpit, just like through the trim. <laughs> and there's just a big gap there. Be- probably because in testing, they went, they were trying to like move her arms around and they realized, oh, if we have... Her move her arms up even slightly they will clip into that trim yeah I, I have no idea how rigging waiting any of that stuff works especially back then in a different program mm-hmm. i can only assume like i can only know from my experiences currently but yeah it's i can't like there's also moments where i it must have been just a technical limitation because there's the one lady nut uh yeah uh uh-huh yeah um and she there's definitely a scene i saw where she moves her wrist and you can see where the polygons separate yes yes um so she's just coming apart at the seams Um, and and sometimes depending on the angle of the lighting you can kind of see that polygon edge on clara's shoulders Mm -hmm. so like yeah yeah (laughs) there's there's another moment too right at the end and and again this is it's interesting because it's like getting 
it makes you start to think of how did they build these? How did they animate these? Because yeah. at the end, the prince, his hair shifts. <laughs> it's it's almost like the entire like top half of his head, or like he's wearing a wig, but it just goes like, and it kind of just like shifts over back and forth. And it's in the middle of a shot. It just, it, it's it's right where, when Marie is preparing to throw the Christmas star into the air. If you watch the prince, oh. that's when his hair just goes, tuk, 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 almost like there was a keyframe or yeah, something. They pr- there was probably like an errant keyframe on maybe his geometry or something about the constraints or something happened. Um, mm-hmm. And his hair got, because <laughs> sometimes yeah. that happens. And sometimes but it, it just, you can't fix it. And it's just, again, it's just fascinating, though, because if you had asked me, I would have assumed that that hair was just attached to his skull, and mm-hmm. where the skull went, the hair would surely follow. <laughs> but apparently, however no. they chose to build him in this, that's not a given. That's not, you can't assume that hair is going to follow him. No. Well, and that's sort of, from what I understand, I have no... Again, caveats. I have no experience with modeling or rigging or anything like that, but I know I've worked with characters on shows in the past where you turn off the hair. And even though the hair looks like it's just part of that character, it's a separate piece of geometry that you can toggle on and off. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's probably, he had a bald head and then they modeled hair. It's a different piece of geo and they put it on top. And then there was an errant key on it and it goes... Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's that's on my list of things to make a gif of and post yeah. on the Twitter. If anybody like, wants to check that out. Like, I, I need to find... Because there's definitely... I know people who have worked in uh, uh, with Soft Image back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. One of these days, I want to sit down and talk to them and just be like, how was it? How, yeah. how was it animating in the 90s with these programs? Because... We got it. We got it pretty good with with what we use in these days. Mm-hmm. We've come pretty. We've come very far, <laughs> and and the technology is only getting better and better yeah. nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Like we can do wonderful things with with uh, CG these days now, and it continues to improve. But you look back at what they were what they were having yeah. to use <laughs> back in the nineties, it- and you're like, what the what the fuck is happening? It would be so fascinating oh. to sit them, sit a few people down and play this movie for them and maybe mute the volume oh. or, or yeah. you know, have it down real low and just, I don't know, just get their thoughts because yeah. there's probably stuff that stands out so much to them that we haven't even noticed. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, it's one of these days, going to track down mm-hmm. some, of, some of the people who used to work in these programs. And I'll I'll report back if that ever happens. Oh, please do. Usually, though, the people who do who were there at that point, though, nowadays they're like, if they're still in the industry, they're directors and like supervisors mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So they're busy, so it's harder to because <laughs> they yeah, and they've been around so long, they have so much experience that it's harder to sort of be like, hey, can you tell me about? Hey, can you tell me about this thing that you worked on 20 years yeah. ago that you're probably very embarrassed to see again? Or just, you know, d- don't remember. Because even yeah. even for me, like, I look back at, at, uh, at the first shows 
that I was on. And yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't remember <laughs> anything yeah. about doing these. And that was seven years ago. So, <laughs> oh my know. God, that's so long ago. I know. I've, it's been seven and a half years. Oh, I know. You can't. You I'm can't. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to drop that on you. <laughs> Yeah, you can't do that. You can't put exact <laughs> years on that. I'm I'm a 30-plus-year-old millennial. I can't handle exact <laughs> dates anymore. I can't handle that being confronted with my... I know. How, my my aging. Christy, listen, I've, I've known you almost a decade now. No! Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> oh. Anyway, what? that was a, that was a pleasant diversion from talking about. Yeah, <laughs> movie. I do. Can I can I briefly mention the uh, reuse of the models in this one before uh-huh. we get too far from oh, the CG? Please. Yes, I just kind of laugh because they obviously, you know, it, it takes a lot of time to 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 model characters. Yeah, and if your character is only going to show up for like a couple seconds you know a minute <laughs> on the screen why would you want to make a whole new model for them you know no. yeah no that's ridiculous just take uh you know okay we need uh we need the mouse queen let's just take reginald lashes <laughs> on him put some boobs on him and then we got a mouse queen there's the mouse queen we don't we don't see her from like anywhere but like the the sort of shoulders down like you just yeah. sort of she's just appears in in the front in the foreground in the front foreground of a frame mm-hmm. as as the prince and air quotes perla pat who it's just marie's model with uh her ponytail taken off um yeah yeah are are like dancing by and then you see the the mouse queen air quotes and mm-hmm. yeah very little editing. You don't have to worry about it. Listen, sometimes you don't even need a character model. No. Sometimes no. you don't need sometimes your dad is there. He's just off screen. He's just always off screen and you just hear you just hear his voice. He has two <laughs> lines and he d- delivers them both off screen. Also, your mom is just a disembodied uh head and shoulders. Yeah. Your mom is you without makeup and a bonnet on. <laughs> it's great. It's it, honestly props. Like, don't work work smarter, not harder. It, you guys did uh, it. Yeah, I poke fun at it because it stands out to me as an adult. But at the same time, it's like you gotta do what you gotta do. Oh yeah. They like they had no time or money. I for a fact they had yeah. no time or money oh, yeah. on this thing. Yeah, no. And probably and, no and experience. It, like, there's probably a lot of juniors and a lot of early, early folks not knowing. Yeah, you a know? lot of trial and error. Yeah. I, so as much as I, as I am poking fun, again, I must always say, mm-hmm. nothing against the people who were, uh, like, creating the visuals for this film. No. Y'all, y'all did the fucking best you could with what you yeah. had. You've you've been pretty clear that your <laughs> hatred your <laughs> hatred of this is due to the script and the dialogue specifically. So yeah, don't it's so bad. It's so bad. And, um, <sighs> on the note of you mentioned Perla Pat. Uh, <laughs> I one question I had after viewing this one is 
What happened to Princess Perilipat in this story? Oh, she's gone. Because she's just dead. She died off screen. She I went back guess. to her home planet. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go now. My planet needs me. And then she just... Whoop, yep. And, and then she died on her way back to her home planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's oh. just... It's it's yeah. weird because in this version, we are explicitly told that she and the prince were in love. Mm-hmm. And so you would think that when... Um, you know, it, when the the spell, the Nutcracker spell is placed on the prince and we're told that only love can can break it, you would think that the <laughs> Why didn't she break it? Yeah, what the what happened there? <laughs> she is never mentioned again. No. Well, that's not important. Did she reject the Nutcracker? Like we have seen that in the other adaptations, but we yeah, are but- not sh- shown that. In, the, in those instances, it's not shown that she had a prior relationship with yeah. the person who, or the, the dude who gets turned into the Nutcracker. Yeah, so it feels like we we needed to have that scene. If she did actually reject the Nutcracker, and that's why he remained the Nutcracker until Marie came along, we need to see that. <laughs> no, we don't. Don't worry about it. Listen, yeah. listen, the beans are here and they're farting. Yeah. Don't fucking worry about that other shit. Don't worry about it. We we need to have like a, f- a five minutes of all of the, the fruits and vegetables and everybody having fun going sledding on a candy cane. <sighs> and 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 we, we gotta we gotta spend all the time in the world animating that scene. We're not gonna focus on this character stuff, this pesky story stuff. Get that fuck that shit. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> God. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I guess she must have died. Cause, and then nobody nobody comments on how Marie looks exactly like Pearly Pat. No, no. That's not important either. Yeah. And, and because of the reuse of models, I don't know if that's supposed to be intentional or not. Oh, yeah. It, uh, who knows? Maybe she doesn't yeah. look anything like her, but they didn't have time to make another model. Yeah. So, you know. Oh. <sighs> confusing <laughs> oh and i guess on on the note of more nutcracker stuff uh-huh. or, uh-huh. what what the hell is drosselmeyer's deal deal in this version <laughs> he just what a, <laughs> look who knows he's i think he's meant to be Playing the same part he does in other in the story and in other adaptations, where he's sort of facilitating the whole thing, but like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he, he he does like he does like he makes comments about how you know he he's like it, the whole Nutcracker thing. It the, the adventure is framed as though it's something that Drosselmeyer organizes because Marie yeah. gets her her stank attitude about christmas and he thinks he says to himself perhaps there's one more gift i might give her and then we see the mouse the mouse king stuff and then he does that random appearance where he maybe seems to initiate marie being shrunk by the christmas star like he shows up there yeah i think that's what it is i don't the whole the whole uh thing is manufactured at that point because Marie is up on 
the she's up on a freestanding ladder against this Christmas tree that just remains there apparently mm-hmm. all Christmas for this family. Um and has like the Christmas star in her hand because she was gonna chuck it at the Mouse King. And then he's yeah. like bibbity bobbity boo and then she shrinks and she's holding the star. And it's like mm-hmm. why? Yeah. There was no point. There's no reason for this. Just put the star es- back. Especially because Drosselmeyer Drosselmeyer does not have a role no. in in the Nutcracker's backstory. He's not he is seemingly unrelated to yeah. the Nutcracker and the Prince in this one. I, I I think he's just there to sort of facilitate this adventure to get Marie her Christmas spirit back. But then how did he get the Nutcracker? Uh, don't worry about it. He's magic. Apparently he's, he's magic. Yeah. Apparently. And and at the end, he introduces the the human prince to Marie. He doesn't say, this is my nephew. He just says, there's someone I want you to meet. Who is this man, Uncle Drosselmeyer? There he is. And he's dressed like a prince. There he is. He never gets a name. No, no. Don't be silly. He's the prince. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, like, you have a point, you, you were right, but I guess I was just, <laughs> I was too upset by the rest of the, There's, the fucking yeah. everything to do with these talking fruits and vegetables and nuts. Yeah, there's so much else to comment on <laughs> in this, in this, uni- this universe, this adaptation. <gasps> um, apparently the prince is the leader of the Candy Kingdom, which seems to exist in another dimension, and uh-huh. yet is somehow connected to Marie's dimension. Specifically, her Christmas tree is essential to Christmas existing, not just in their world, but in our world. Yeah. And so, without the star on Marie's Christmas tree, Christmas just won't exist somehow, which I think is great, because that means if Marie's family ever decides, for whatever reason, to either not put up their Christmas tree or switch out the tree topper, <laughs> Christmas is ruined forever. <laughs> and, and you could almost forgive all of that dimensional stuff if you assume that the events of the film are, in fact, just a dream that Marie is having, and that maybe the guy that shows up at the end... It just so happens to look like the prince. That's not what this adaptation does, because in addition to, you know, the prince recognizing Marie and at the end, like, they know they had this adventure together. That's yeah. pretty said and done. We are explicitly shown that in this universe, the sentient food exists outside of Marie's imagination. They have conversations that Marie isn't privy to in the beginning so they they exist outside of her. Yeah. Yeah. Nope, be, they're they're real. Yeah. It'd be different if like that stuff only came up in the movie after she fell asleep. Like that's when yes. we started seeing all the weird food. Yeah. Then then you can hand wave. Then it's a dream. Then it's mm-hmm. just something that happened. They're also they're like looks like you took quite a at the end of the movie. They're like looks like you took quite a fall and you fell down and hurt yourself. No, she didn't. She didn't. She doesn't. Quite. Because <laughs> literally. In, in the other story that she's like, yeah, she falls and she bumps her head and then she wakes up and she's like, I had a weird dream. And they're like, you hit your head. 
you're concussed. Um, yeah. And this, she's just like, goes and takes a nap on the, on the couch. And she's like, they're like, wow, you must have really fallen and hit your, hit your head. She's like, no, she didn't. She was just yeah. sleeping. Also, the nut bowl is alive. Yeah, mom and dad, our nuts are talking. Have we, why have we never noticed this before? What? How? We eat there's those. A, yeah, that's food. There's a there's a nut, and he's hanging mistletoe above my head as we speak. He's voiced by Cheech Marin. Yes. Yeah. I uh, baffling. I just I I yeah I don't know the story at this is so so baffling. I want to I want to talk about the Christmas star. Uh huh. Because. The ending that you expect is that the Christmas star falls into the cheese moat and everyone's all bummed because they think Christmas is destroyed. But then the sugar plum fairy appears and tells them that the Christmas spirit was inside them all along and they could have a they could have a who's down in Whoville moment where they all hold hands and the magic of Christmas spirit maybe creates a brand new Christmas star that they could put on top of the tree. And it's just a symbolic thing. It's not actually you need the Christmas star because that's where the magic of all Christmas everywhere is stored. And but instead, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's no, it's Reginald. <laughs> oh, actually, Reginald just happened to grab the the star, and he gives it back, and they put it on top of the tree. Yeah. How he grabbed it after it visibly falls into the sticky cheese moat uh, and sinks out of view. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Even though we obviously really animated things in that scene specifically to trick you, only to reveal less than like three minutes later that we tricked you. Ha ha! Ha ha! I got you! We got you for those three minutes! Ha ha! Ha ha ha! It's just, like, it's a weird, I don't know, it's so weird to think that the magic of all Christmas is stored in this material object, apparently, that sits on on Marie's Christmas tree. Yeah. I have to assume that it would just be Christmas for this fan. I don't know. I, I... My brain like, can't think about this. It doesn't want to make sense of it anymore. No. It gave it's... up a long time ago <laughs> trying to it put gave any up... form of like yeah, sense to any of Into this. Into this movie. <sighs> Again, I can't wait. I can't wait till the next episode and, and see where that fits on your scale. Oh, God. I, I, am, I am full of fear. As you should. I, I, it would, I don't think you can, we'll see. I'm yeah, losing it. I'm starting to, I like my, uh, the, the <laughs> this film broke you. The, the, at least this film? At least the angry energy I had at the beginning is starting to dissipate. Now I'm just being yeah. left a husk. You're just, <laughs> this film? I don't know. I don't know this... what it is about this one. It just, it just it destroyed you. I don't... This this would be kind of amazing if we have to stop the podcast because this is just... 
I can't do it anymore. Changed, just changed from this day. My soul has been shattered by the nuttiest nutcracker. <laughs> this is that's that should be the tagline. <laughs> Is it too late to slap that on the DVD as a pull quote? Oh, God. Oh, goodness. You uh, you mentioned uh, Cheech Marin earlier as one of the yes. voice actors. So let's let's take a look at, at some of the, the, the voices. Be- the one thing that I can say is that they had a very fun voice cast. Yeah, it's it's surprising because there are some pretty big names in bo- in voice acting here. Yeah. Um so I so to start just in general we have a few bigger name stars like Phyllis Diller who voices the Sugar Plum yeah. Fairy. Yeah. Always good to hear you Phyllis Diller. Yeah, she's she's been on the show uh before actually she voiced a couple in times. uh Yeah, a couple times, but she was actually in the uh the Nutcracker Prince. Yeah, she was the Mouse Queen. Yeah. Yeah. So funny, funny to see her pop up again. Um, Always plus plus one point in their favor, Phyllis Diller. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, we have Cheech Marin, who voices one of the nuts, and Jim Belushi voices Reginald. Uh, we also have Golden Films regulars Debbie Derryberry and Cam Clark as Marie and the Prince. Eh, I, I honestly didn't, I didn't clock uh, Miss Derryberry. Uh, but I no. did as I like. I I think she just has one of those voices. She's she's very good at fitting in as as female mm-hmm. lead. Enter enter the name, but Cam Clark for some reason always pings my ear. I'm like, there he is. Yeah, there's good old Cam Clark. Something in 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 his voice that makes makes like a part of your brain light up. Um, yeah. It's funny because uh, Debbie Derryberry also voices Fritz in this. Um, oh yeah it's it's just it's it's funny because it's just one of those scenarios where the character the the voice actor is essentially talking to themselves yeah yeah um and then we also have jim cummings best known for being the modern voice of winnie the pooh and tigger and a lot of other characters voices uh uncle drossemeyer and he's also one of the nuts he's like the grandpa nut yeah, I I have been big capital letters. Oh, Winnie the Pooh is here. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised by how little he's used in the film because yeah. he he's a great voice great voice actor with a ton of range, and you probably could have given him like twelve other roles if you really wanted to save money. Yeah, but well, then they'd have maybe he was higher paid than some of the other ones. So they because I know a bunch of the other characters have are like also voicing other like what random fucking vegetables <laughs> uh, yeah like you because you can hear them doing mm-hmm. other voices for the for the background characters but maybe he was just he's he had other <laughs> he was more expensive so they just kept him to two or two two roles yeah who knows who knows yeah i guess we also have tress mcneil who yeah. voices little P and and she's oh like a God. broccoli woman yeah. And and so she's another really prolific voice actor, best known for Dot in Animaniacs, Babs Bunny in Tiny Toons, does a lot of roles of the Simpsons. I know I know we've had her on the show oh, yeah. on the podcast before. I can't remember what episode. I, she's pro- she's been around somewhere. Yeah, almost, I get- almost certainly. 
there's also Jeff Bennett, who voices a couple of the mouse characters. Uh, he's done a lot of voice acting as well for Disney. Uh, he was in Animaniacs. Uh, the character I always associate with him is Johnny Bravo. Oh, yes, good. He He's, an, he's <laughs> another one of those voices that it kind of like, like, I don't know, just something in my brain just lights up when he starts talking. Yeah. There's uh, also Kevin Sean, who, he's the Groucho Mark sounding nut. Um, and he wasn't a voice I was super familiar with, but apparently in a lot, in addition to a lot of other animated roles, he's, I guess, the go-to voice double of Nathan Lane. Um, like, for example, he voiced Timon in the 90s Timon and Pumbaa show, or one of oh. the voices of Timon. And he was in the recent Lion Guard TV series where he was Timon again. Oh. Mm-hmm. Cool. And finally, I want to point out Desiree Goyette, who voices Sparkle, aka the Vanna White-esque female nut. Oh, I was gonna say, who who's Sparkle? <laughs> yeah, I guess she's Sparkle <laughs> because she wears like a Jessica Rabbit sparkly gown. Yeah, she does. Thing. She does, in fact, wear that. That's true. She's like the one like super humanoid nut because she is female and therefore she must be attractive to the audience. <sighs> but uh, uh-huh. we are we are recording this episode just after Canadian Thanksgiving, and so I have just recently re-listened to the Garfield's Thanksgiving episode of Mike Westfall's Advent Calendar House podcast, which hey. I'm a big fan of, and. It was pointed out there that Desiree not only wrote and performed a lot of the songs that appear in the Garfield cartoons, but she also voiced Nermal. Oh. Yeah, so kind of neat. She huh. wasn't, again, she wasn't a voice I was super familiar with, but I, I remember I loved the Garfield TV series as a kid. Yeah, that's delicious. That's Nermal. Wonderful. I, I was curious... Knowing that Desiree was a songwriter, for a minute I was wondering if she maybe wrote the songs for this mm. film, but mm-hmm. a- according to the incredibly uncomfortably fast credits, apparently it was <laughs> Diane e- <laughs> Diane Eskenazi and Meryl Farnsworth, who they're, they're Golden Films regulars. Uh, ah. Diane Eskenazi is actually the founder of Golden Films, and so she oh. often writes and produces them in, in addition to being a director. Huh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, those those credits though, man. They go oh my by. god, they they zo- they zoomed past. They don't want you to know who worked on this. No, no, please don't look us up. Please Do not don't. pause. Do not pause. Just let it pass Do, you by. The movie's over. Let it Run. go. Run. Yeah. And just <laughs> just get out. Get out. Gotta go. Oh goodness, man. But yeah. This is uh-huh. this is probably one of the first movies that I haven't actually had playing on silent while we <laughs> while we talk. I didn't oh want to look at God. it anymore. I was done. You hate it. I don't. It's I can't. I hated it. I really this, don't like this one. This is amazing because I know I have I have mentioned in previous episodes how I I would love to get to a point where I send you a film and you tell me no. This, I, I it was it was close. It was close on this one. I oh man, I don't know what would have happened if you had done that. <laughs> <laughs> we just, 
you come, you like log on to start recording today, and I, you just see a message from me that's just no, I can't, I <laughs> and can't I don't do this. show up. No, just no, no further explanation. Just no. Fuck you for making me watch this. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess on that note, like, would you? Is there no. a situation? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> oh my god. So you there is no situation where you would ever fathom watching this again. Unequivocally. I would no. I don't want to see this again. Ever. I'm even done. if even if you had a group of friends who were like, let's watch this and dunk on it. We'll bring drinks. We'll have just a fun evening. I'll put it on for them and then I'll leave the room. I gotta oh go. I can't. I, I don't want to ever see this again. It was just something about it hit me wrong. Wow. <laughs> this is. I hated it. It was. It this was bad. I didn't like it. Utterly fascinating. I mean, for me, I, I would recommend this. <laughs> I just think this one, this is one that it is fun to watch because it's, again, the it's the bad story, the weird, out-of-place Christianity s- snippets. You could have the fun discussion about if this is this a VeggieTales ripoff or is this not. You could take a shot anytime you see an animation error or a rendering error. <laughs> like, this... This one for me, I feel like this would be great in a group setting. You know what? It probably would. I just won't be in that group. I don't know (laughs) what it was about this one. And maybe like, maybe someday in the future, I'll look back and be like, you know, it really wasn't that bad. It's just for some reason (laughs) right now for me today, having just watched it, I did not enjoy it even a little amazing amazing (laughs) i i mean we talked last last episode about how or we we had talked at one point about how i wish that we had almost started ranking and comparing all of the the movies as we went (laughs) yes we could name which one would be dead last and apparently we have found it for me right now Yeah. yeah no question i would rather watch literally anything else we've watched before Again, Amazing. before ever seeing this one again. Amazing. Happily. I guess, I guess now the question is, which movie am I going to hate so much? I cannot, I, I, I'm curious because then you'll have to watch it, but you'll have to watch it again with me. So maybe I'll never see it. That's, yeah, I guess that's the trouble is that if there's a movie that I detest so strongly, I probably would never show it to you. I would yeah. probably just like, seal it in a vault and just <laughs> i don't know the forbidden vault yeah bust out in the event that i just want to like do go scorched earth and <laughs> i never I, I decide i don't want to do the princess movie thing anymore and i'm just like this will finish it and then you'll show it to me and i'll be like well, it still wasn't as bad as the nuttiest nutcracker <laughs> <laughs> oh good <laughs> oh we shall see we oh. shall see God, our our no our Nutcracker November might have an anticlimactic ending then, depending on how much you like or dislike the uh the next film. Look, I you know what, I I don't know what it was about this one that hit me so wrong. Yeah, but 
I, you know, I'm, I am both fearful and curious to see where we go from here. Good. Let that curiosity guide you, Bree. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's probably oh. it for this one. Yeah, please. I think Bree wants to end her suffering. <laughs> I never want to think about the nuttiest nutcracker again. God. Except I'll have well, to re-listen to the... Oh, no. Ow! I got you! No! You'll have to, listen to, you'll have to re-listen to it! Oh, no. Bree, I always get Bree to listen to the podcast so that she could check and make sure that I haven't gotten any editing errors. So she's going to have to relive this, relive the magic of the Nuttiest Nutcracker. You just better do a good job on this because you're going to send it to me to listen to and I'm not going to listen to it. Oh my god. I'll just be like, no, it's fine. I'm going to put a secret <laughs> message in there. Be like, put Bree, a very if you're listening. obvious editing error. So that if yeah. I don't call it out, you'll know I didn't listen to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I can't wait. Can't wait. Your suffering continues. No. Oh. But uh, if, uh, if you are a dear listener, if you want to check out some clips from this movie oh. and try and, try and understand why Brie hates it so, so, so much, you can check us out on Twitter at Bad Princess MOV. Uh, if you also have been traumatized by this movie and want me to know about it, feel free to email us at badprincessmovies at gmail.com. And you could also check out the catalog of Bad Princess Movies, which we have at badprincessmovies.com. That's it. That's <laughs> it. I'm free. You are I'm, free. I'm free. Free for now, but soon. (laughs) Oh no. Soon. See see you guys next time for whatever other Nutcracker horrors Christy will release upon my soul next. Stay tuned. Uh, One more to go. One more to go. One more, and then then we're free for November. Oh, thank God. And then it is Christmas time. Oh, boy. We'll talk to you guys next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) That was my soul. It's gone. It's gone.